Capital gains taxes. It's a subject that's part of the conversation in ranching families when there's a desire to divest of ranch land. And we know that if we sell the land outright, it leaves us as the seller liable for capital gains taxes. Unless it is structured as an exchange and through that intermediary, the moment they sell that property, they are on the hook for whatever their capital gains tax are. So this is where section 1031 of the Internal Revenue Code comes in. Dal Houston, attorney from Alva, Oklahoma is my guest today as we go through the details of using a 1031. But even more than not just to avoid capital gains or defer capital gains, but really as a whole investment strategy. Plus the history and the future of cattle identification with Allflex's Austin Waltamath on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. everyone, this is the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. We're glad to have you along for the program today. We hope you can stay with us through the entire show. If you're listening on the radio, if you're like me, you're probably going to have to step out from time to time to do something. Maybe it's opening up a gate if you don't have the kids with you or the wife, I guess, however, whoever's driving, or you're checking water, whatever that might, might be. Uh, you're going to have to step away from the radio from time to time. And if you're doing, if you're listening on the radio, not via podcast, well, you're going to miss something. In today's show, we've got a lot to talk about. But if you go to workingranchradio.com, you'll find our podcast site, or if you have a preference, Spotify, Google, Apple, whatever that may be, search Working Ranch Radio Show, you'll find us. You can listen to today's show, episode 127. But the good thing is, if you get there, not only will you be able to listen to today's show, but you'll also be go back and listen to any other shows that we've had as well. And during this time of the year, a lot of folks uh, in the pickups, in the tractors, whatever that may be, it's a good time to get caught up on some of your podcasts. Today's show is one of those. Maybe you're listening on the radio. You're going to want to go back and listen to some of this. Dal Houston is joining us back again. He was with us back, I believe, in April with episode 115 on estate planning. A lot of great information on that. That is definitely a subject that all of us in the ranching uh, business have to deal with or are dealing with at some point in time. The great show there. We have him back here today. This time, we're going to be focusing on the 1031, section 1031 property exchange. Now, I'm we're all familiar with that. More than likely, if you've been around for some time, you've heard it. And we're going to recap a little bit of that. But I think there's some things there. You're also going to hear something I really didn't think about. And that is looking at it from a perspective as an investment tool. Now, again, we're our conversation here today with with Dallas, an attorney, this isn't legal advice. It's just some conversations between him and I, something for you to think about and either call him or your attorney about if you have questions about that. But a lot you're going to learn here today as we talk about 1031, the property exchange section that's part of the IRS code. Also, we're going to hear from uh, Austin Waltameth with Allflex as we are going to be talking about how they've evolved uh, in the cattle identification business from the first tags back in the 1950s all the way to where we're at today. And so uh, we'll be having him coming up in our next segment. And of course, we'll finish things out here today with meteorologist Don Day as we take a look at our long-term weather. Right now, thank you to our sponsors of the Working Ranch Radio Show, Vitalix. Livestock is your livelihood. Tubs are our expertise. Vitalix, the true blue tub. Find out more at Vitalix.com. All Flex, cattle identification and record keeping should be easy. And now you can tie your visual tag, your EID tag, and your genetic data to one management number with the All Flex match sets. Learn more at AllFlexUSA.com or tune in in our next segment. We're going to be talking a bit about that as well. Inherit Select from Zoetis, providing commercial cow-calf producers with genetic insights to make replacement female selection and breeding decisions find out more at inherentprogress.com the american gelvy association a highly fertile moderately framed cow that raises high performing calves even in tough environments the gelvy cow's efficient use of resources make her the picture of sustainability in today's modern beef industry find out more at gelvy.org mls tubs don't gamble with fly control this summer and man oh man have we all experienced severe flies this year mls 
MLS tubs are a sure bet. All kinds of tubs for all kinds of needs. Find out more at MLSTubs.com. And finally, Tank Toad, your remote water monitoring system, all from the convenience of your phone, powered by solar, satellite, and or sail. Keep an eye on your water supply with a daily text message. Find out more. Call Metal Arc Solutions at 801-252-6135 or look them up online at tanktoad.com. It's what we use here on the X-Ring Ranch. If you call them, let them know you heard it here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Well, let's check in now with the Captain Tim O'Byrne, publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. Hey, Justin. Hey, everybody out there in Working Ranch Radio Land. I've had time to collect my thoughts after attending the Beef Improvement Federation's convention up in Calgary. And I got to tell you, the what they were talking about was above my pay grade. A lot of genotype stuff and phenotypes. And boy, my this cowboy's four megabyte brain was pretty much underwater the first 10 minutes of the conference but i did manage to glean some really cool information uh one thing that everybody's saying is that epds work they really truly do now um i'm going to have to ask for some help from that group to bring it on down there's a bunch of us that maybe think we know about epds uh we don't really. And so we're going to try to get that down into like an EPD 101 course. Uh, might be a two part series in the next upcoming uh, issues of Working Ranch Magazine. But keep your eyes peeled for that. And uh, also, I'm very excited about the calf markets and the way things are going. And, and uh, uh, Justin, you did a great job on um, explaining, and you had a great interview last episode with the uh, folks from the Beef Quality Audit. We learned a lot of stuff there. And um, all in all, I'm pretty darn positive about the next few years in this industry. So let's keep that momentum moving forward. Back to you in the booth, Justin. All right. Thanks, Captain. And yeah, we will be looking forward to those articles coming out as you break that down a bit. I kind of laughed a little bit when you said your four megabyte brain. Uh, I was wondering what operating system. Are you still back on Windows 95, 98, or did you get through the Y2K era? Or are you a Mac man? I don't know. A lot of big questions there that you're only you're going to be able to answer. But nevertheless, look forward to that and the upcoming issue of Working Ranch Magazine. Well, stay with us. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, Austin Waltamath, ID infrastructure specialist with Allflex will be joining us as we talk about how cattle identification has evolved since the 1950s up until now and how that can be used in your management of your ranching operation. And of course, later on, Dal Houston, attorney out of Oklahoma, will be joining us as we talk about Section 1031 Property Exchange. We've got a lot to cover today. Stay with us. We'll be back on the Working Ranch Radio Show after this. There are lots of nutrition tubs out there, but none can match the true blue commitment of Vitalix. Our tubs offer you the most concentrated nutrition at the lowest cost per day. That means more profit for your operation and improved performance for your cow herd. In fact, research shows Vitalix tubs increase feed efficiency by 20% while boosting conception rates, herd health, and weaning weights. Learn more at Vitalix.com. Vitalix, the true blue tub. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills here as we're joined now by Austin Waltamath, who's an ID infrastructure specialist with Allflex, uh, headquartered uh, servicing the areas of Nebraska and Kansas. And Austin, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Hey, Justin, I appreciate the opportunity. Well, before we get into talking about some of the details that we want to, just explain a little bit about what your role is real quick. So, like I mentioned, I am an ID infrastructure specialist for Allflex, which is a brand of Merck Animal Health. Um, In April of 2019, Merck acquired Allflex uh, to expand on their very diverse pharmaceutical portfolio. And uh, as of July 1st of 2023, the Merck Animal Health reps will be selling Allflex identification products as part of their uh, pharmaceutical portfolio. 
And uh, as we transition to them selling identification, my new role covers uh, Nebraska and Kansas as we continue to build an individual management mm-hmm. uh, ecosystem with radio frequency identification. Well, and, and we're going to talk about some of the different products within AllFlex because I think when we say that name just in general, a lot of us just think ear tags. I mean, that was essentially, you know, the probably the, the base product from the very get-go. It's evolved into other products since then. But let's Let's talk about the ear tag side of things because it even in that side of things, the ear type identification element that has evolved over the years. So let's talk about those stages. First of all, just in the custom ID element uh, where we can we can take those tags, we can customize those a bit. Right, Justin, you're you're very correct. So in 1957, it all started with a tag, and uh, even in 2023 today, it all starts with a tag. So we have the most complete line of identification products to make livestock producers more profitable, and those include blank and pre-numbered sets of tags. Um, your standard uh, bags of 25 that you see on the vet clinic or dealer shelf. Um, we also, like you mentioned, deal a lot in custom identification. So we deal with logos and text, reverse marking um, on the backs of tags. And uh, we we are uh, we have a proprietary product. Mm-hmm. It's called uh, Ink Over Laser. So, so we laser mark those tags and then we uh, inlay ink over top of that laser for a forever mark on that tag. Uh, we are the only company in the industry that does that currently, and uh, we pride ourselves in a custom ID product. So, mm-hmm. Well, that truly is probably one of the biggest issues when we look at just the, the ear tag is that number staying in there. If that isn't one of the things we all deal with with tags, it's those numbers fading. And that's, I'll tell you what, these cows, we all talk and want cows that last in our herd a long time. Well, the second part of that is we need a, we need a tag that matches the age of that cow too. That's exactly right. And if you can't identify the cow, uh, you don't know what he or she uh, yeah. has done on your facility for uh, for the number of years that it stayed. So mm-hmm. uh, we need a tag that stays in the ear and, and is uh, easily read. So mm-hmm. uh, appreciate you bringing up that point. <laughs> yeah. Well, you talked about 1957 was when the start of this and it really the concept of, of marking these cattle with an ear tag. Uh, it's pretty much an industry standard anymore for the most part. Let's move to today. Today and we now see some newer ways that we can identify these animals that allow us really some other management factors that can now come into place and that's the way I, I really view the EID type of tags that we see or are hearing more and more about in our industry is really the ability from that standpoint to really have some management options, I guess, if you want to call it that way for our herd. So let's talk about the EID tags that uh, that we see, especially with Allflex has been a really a big name in that industry. Right. So just as you mentioned, Justin, uh, Allflex was the first to come out with an RFID tag commercially. And uh, the technology handles a 15-digit number, and that is the only information contained on the tag. RFID, or radio frequency identification, is used to uh, to streamline efficiently and accurately record information for your ranch or feed yard operation or dairy. Um, so we, we produce two different kinds of tags. So it's a 900 series tag, which are uh, a manufacturer coded tags. So they are not official identification. They're used in feeder cattle programs. Um, and uh, you could use them, Justin, on your operation if you're not moving those animals across state lines. Mm-hmm. We also produce 840 USDA premise tags. So uh, those tags are are uh, connected to your premise ID, and those are used for interstate movement of breeding animals. So uh, for your certificates of vet, in- vet inspection, you need the 840s. Mm-hmm. Uh, we produce both technologies, and both of them work uh, every day um, on operations, big and small. Mm-hmm. Now, just talk real quickly about these tags, uh, the EID type tags. It's a tag that requires a, a wand to read that off of, which would you'd consider to be called a, a passive tag, right? So there's nothing emitting off of that ear uh, that says that says anything other than when that cow passes through a reader, whether it's in your chute, whether it's a wand at the chute, or, or different ways that that can be done. I guess expand a bit on that if you could. 
Right. So just as you mentioned, they are passive. So there is no battery in, in included in that tag. Um, there is no uh, data collected in that tag other than that 15 digit number. So it's only being read when the RFID stick reader or panel reader wakes the tag up and has that 15 digit number sent back to the reader. So the, the animal enters the chute and just like you would read the four or five digit number on her on her visual tag, uh, you present the wand to the tag. The tag sends that number back to the wand, and it is then sent uh, via Bluetooth to your uh, management software. And that animal's uh, management card or their doctor's notes are brought up on the tablet or computer or whatever device you're, it is you're using. And that information is brought to your attention, and, and you know what that cow or calf needs the minute that that tag is read so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well and that's why i said when we were starting down this discussion of the eid type of tags really there's a lot of management potential i guess if you want to yes. call it that way with eid tags that's really what we're getting at with it absolutely so just just as you mentioned in, in previous conversations running multiple herds and on one location every owner wants to manage their herd a different way and being able to to read that tag accurately and quickly and being able to know what that owner wants to do when that given animal is in the chute you can make real-time decisions and uh the old saying goes it does away with the old pen and paper that that (laughs) gets blood and and manure all over it and Mm -hmm. probably gets washed in your overalls when you're done at the end of the day so well i I can i can raise my hand on that one and, and know exactly what you're talking about with in regards to that let's move on to the next element let's go even more modern than the eid tags because the eid tags real relatively have been around for a few years uh the use of it is growing more and more combine that now with some of the dna things that we're starting to integrate in the management element of our herds and so when we get to that side of that things the dna we've got to get some way to get a sample now there's a terminology out there that uh, as we were joking a little bit before we went on air here about a terminology that uh, those in in the industry of dna uh, sampling just throw out there that i really the first time i heard i'm like i don't know what you're talking about and that phrase is tsu so explain what that means right so uh with tsu's very simply, they are a tissue sampling unit, and a tissue sampling unit takes a DNA sample of the ear tissue in a quick and clean motion. Uh, this reduces the need for blood and hair cards to be used for DNA collection. Uh, applications for TSUs um, very simply can be used for disease testing, as well as many DNA tests you can run through various genetic labs. So they include profitability predictions for heifers, bulls, and feeder cattle. Uh, some of the areas that have been affected by drought the last few years have started to see some rain and retaining heifers is top of mind as you and i talked mm-hmm. earlier uh, for several producers as we begin to precondition and, and wean this fall we can use tsus to make selections for heifers to keep those in the herd to make you the most money mm-hmm. so. you know and i want to get very very specific here because again there's a lot of folks out there maybe exactly not sure what we're talking about there that tsu sam- that that sample that little that little gadget that does that would resemble to me almost like an ear tag applicator thing but it just is punching a little hole in that ear and in fact there's a lot of guys that will do that sample and then put the tag right through that it's a very small i mean it's not what smaller about the size of a lead of a pencil yes yes so it's a very small sample i assimilate it to the head of a retractable pen Mm -hmm. so um, you can use that same hole to put a tag in just as you mentioned and it's about the same size as as the the shaft on that male button Mm -hmm. Um, so it takes a very quick and clean sample it stores that in a proprietary liquid and uh, you can send that off to all of your genetic testing labs and uh, they can send you back any information that you want based off the dna in that sample mm-hmm. and uh, it's 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 made the dna collection process yeah. very simplified and and very clean as compared to the the hair cards and, and blood cards that that we've been used to for the yeah. last several years a whole lot easier absolutely easier for there's no question about that okay so we've talked about uh when we started our conversation here today we talked about where we started in 1957 we moved to the next evolution of tagging and that was eid tags and now we've talked about tsus let's put that all together and what we're seeing now in fact uh it was as as we dna tested our heifers this spring 
That's what we used. We did this sample. We put the visual tags in, an EID tag in. Let's talk about all of that now together and how that works. So I appreciate it, Justin. And and we are one of the very few companies that, that offers all of these technologies paired and packaged as one. So we call them match pair sets. That includes a visual, an EID, or a TSU, or any combination of those three. So you could do a visual and a TSU, you could do an EID and a TSU, or you could do all three. And so those those will all come packaged as one and uh, and makes it very streamlined for when your shoot side or your calf side, as soon as that calf comes out of its mother, um, you can have all of those three technologies packaged as one Mm -hmm. and all three of those talk to each other so uh, while i say talk to each other obviously as they are passive the same eid number uh, that is displayed on the round female will be displayed on that tsu and also on the visual so um, in the event she the calf loses its visual tag you can look on the back of that EID and you can see which management number he or she was carrying. Mm -hmm. So uh, makes it very streamlined and easy for that producer to uh, go about their daily Mm -hmm. efforts and uh, and move through their management strategies. You bet. Well, Austin, as we wrap this up, one of the things I guess I think about a little bit in all of this is that at the end of the day, uh, you know, for me, and it's something that I've really preached on our show is if we're going to do something, uh, if we're going to do something in our operations, put an input cost into our operation, we definitely want to know that there's a return on that investment. When I look at this, when it comes to identification, especially especially for my operation where I'm running multiple herds of cattle for different folks, that management element is huge. And that's really what we're getting down to. That's why back in, you know, you talked about when we started in 1957, it really came down to management. It just keeps evolving with that. And really at the end of the day, that that's what we're getting at here. Right. You're exactly right, Justin. And and Allflex has prided ourselves for years in being the tool provider. Uh, we want to put the best tools in that toolbox to make you the most efficient and the most profitable. I believe you will see a very quick and easy return on that TSU sample. Mm-hmm. EIDs are going to make you more efficient and accurate. And your visual tags are the, are the, are the old standby um, that we've all come to know and have made us more accurate and more efficient in prior years, but we, we keep adding on that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Allflex wants to be the, the tool provider. We want to be the snap-on of identification, <laughs> yeah. as they say. Yeah, so. you bet. Well, Austin, I appreciate you joining us. Before we head out here, uh, we've talked a lot of different information about these, from the custom ID tags to EID tags to TSUs to match pair sets. If folks are wanting to read a little bit more about this or get their own information, where would they go to do that? So you can do something as simple as, as Google Allflex, allflexusa.com, houses most of our information, and you're, you're able to get a hold of customer service, or you can get a hold of me via email. Tags, TSUs, and EIDs are purchased through distribution. You can find your, your easiest uh, online tag distributor through any of your large major national distributors as well. You bet. Well, Austin, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thank you, Justin. Appreciate it. And again, if you'd like more information, as Austin was saying, you can pretty much search in any uh, web browser out there, Allflex. You'll probably get to their homepage or you can go directly to their site at allflexusa.com. We'll stay with us. Coming up after the break, attorney Dal Houston returns to the Working Ranch Radio Show. He joined us back in April as we talked on estate planning. He's back today. We're going to be talking on 1031s. Yeah, I know it's a subject that's been out there for a while, but there's always questions and more room to learn about it and how it can be applied to those of us in agriculture stay with us we'll get into it when we return on the working ranch radio show every year you pick your replacement heifers some become profitable cows others disappoint how can you make more reliable selections genetic testing Commercial cow-calf producers like you are using Inherit Select from Zoetis. You gain valuable predictions, including cow fertility, size and soundness, feed efficiency, growth and carcass merit, as well as easy-to-use economic indexes. This improves your selection, breeding, and marketing decisions. Request a call from InheritProgress.com and ask about free TSUs to get you started. 
And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. As we head now into our featured topic here today, and I'm pleased to have back with us on our show, attorney Dal Houston with the firm of Benson & Houston out of Alva, Oklahoma. As I said earlier in the show, he was with us back in April for episode 115 on estate planning. It was a great show, a lot of great information in that. If that's a subject or, or topic that you're dealing with or going to be dealing with, which most of us are in agriculture at some point or the other, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that show. But our subject today is going to be on 1031 property exchanges. And before we get into that, I just want to let you know that our, our subject here today and our conversation is not intended to be legal advice and is only designed and provided as explanation. And Dal, I appreciate you joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Well, thank you. I appreciate the invitation. As we were talking before we went on air here, we're, our subject today is going to be on 1031s, and, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. But uh, uh, it is something that you handle quite a bit of, so have quite a bit of expertise in this in this area. Yeah, I've, I've been doing 1031s for... Uh, either 25 years or almost 25 years. Okay. <laughs> well, and and when we when we talk about this subject, I, I've kind of prefaced this on the show that it is a is it is a term and it is a subject that many of us have heard about over the years from time to time. But it uh, you know for a lot of us, we're not attorneys, so we're not in it every day to just know the the ins and outs of some of the details the, regarding this particular subject. So it's always good to come back and, and refresh it because at different times when we hear about it, it might uh, string up some different questions that we might have or hit a vibe for those of us. So before we just really jump into how we can utilize this as ranchers in our industry for as a, an estate element, let's just get to the basics of it. We know Section 1031 has been around since the 1920s. There were some big changes made in the 1980s that really revolutionized the use of it. So let's just let's start from the beginning and explain what a 1031 is. Well, at, at 1031, as, as we think of it today, or originally at Section 1031 of the IRS Code, only provided for trading or exchanging of properties between trading partners. So what you had was if I had a quarter of land or a section of land and my neighbor had one of equal value, we could exchange deeds. And uh, that's the way it was really in the code for years and years and years finally they 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 went in and they amended the statute which allowed for the use of and and as i talk about this today there's some other minor ways that are kind of used but they allow for the use of an intermediary and uh so what it now allows is i if i own a farm or a ranch i can sell it on the open market i don't have to find a willing trading partner and i can go through an intermediary who acts basically as my middleman so i can sell my ranch to somebody who just wants to buy a ranch and we take those proceeds from the sale of that ranch and the intermediary and our office acts as intermediary uh, and we hold that money those sale proceeds until the the client is ready to buy a new property and we basically work it in reverse so that the intermediary is now the buyer on behalf of the client for this new property and they apply those proceeds to it and so it allows that client or that farmer rancher to sell property to somebody who wants it it allows him to go onto the open market to buy property from someone who obviously didn't probably have any interest in trading property but just wanted to sell Mm -hmm. and so that has really really opened up a lot of doors compared to what the uh, the code had before that that is it in a nutshell Mm -hmm. it's fairly simple when you explain it that way uh obviously you can create some incredibly complex uh, exchanges, Mm -hmm. uh, but that is it in a simple explanation. You bet. And I think, Dal, you know, really from the from the start of this, we need to back up maybe even a bit and say one of the things that we're trying to curb here is is if there is that effort of wanting to divest of some estate, a ranching estate, is a lot of folks have to deal with capital gains if they just sell that outright and don't do anything else. And that's kind of one of the yeah, issues absolutely. we're dealing with it, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because see, without structuring a sale 
as an exchange and i was just i was just actually explaining this probably 30 minutes ago to a client and i've had a few people that came to me after the fact who thought well you know i will sell my farmer ranch today and i'll get the proceeds from it and i will just go down the street so to speak and i will buy property that you know i've been wanting to buy and so arguably they sell it they get the check and they go down the street and they buy property unless it is structured as an exchange and through that intermediary the moment they sell that property they are on the hook for whatever their capital gains tax are Mm -hmm. and I, i won't burden too much about what that would be but let's say that i bought something for a half a million dollars 20 years ago Mm -hmm. and it's now worth a million or a million and a half depending on what it is and what the appreciation has done but to keep it simple if it's a million dollars i bought it for a half a million i sell it for a million that five hundred thousand dollars is capital gains Mm -hmm. now in the simple explanation it's capital gains subject to capital gains tax so again getting back to what I said is if I sell that for a million dollars and I do not structure this as an exchange, I'm on the hook for that half mm-hmm. a million dollars that's subject to capital gain tax. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I do an exchange, that capital gain tax and that liability is now rolled into my new property and deferred up to some point that I either die in which an estate will take care of it and that capital gain tax goes away. Or if I decide to divest myself of it at some point in time, just say I'm retiring and I want to cash my investment out, then that capital gain tax would be due at that time, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yep, it does. Uh, We're going to get into some details here in our next segment. But before we get into those details, give me some examples of where you have seen uh, these 1031 exchanges between, of course, we're we're assuming in a lot of cases for for ranchers, it's land to something else. Give me some examples of what you've seen to be real effective and real useful. You know, one of the things that I have seen that is and I'm not suggesting this for everybody by no means, but one of the things that I have seen people be incredibly successful with, and that is I've had ranchers that uh, maybe they were in a certain area. I'm in Northwest Oklahoma, so I'll use Northwest Oklahoma as an example. And uh, the economy is really good. uh, Ranch land selling really good. And all of a sudden they are looking at it and they're saying, you know, man, I think this market is really as about as high as it can get. It's maybe even overly inflated in that, you know, hey, it's worth a whole lot more to sell it than it is to try to operate it. And so they will take and and do a 1031 and they'll sell their ranch in, say, northwest Oklahoma and go to some place where they believe that the economy and the land there has been way undervalued. Let's say it's Wyoming. I'm just using it as an example. So let's say that you look and you say, man, ranch land in Wyoming or Nebraska or wherever it might be is really undervalued right now. And so they put those proceeds into an undervalued ranch. Now they operate that ranch for, say, 10 years, and now the economy's kind of caught up with it, and then it's now overvalued. And then they may move that that property to the Texas Panhandle, do an exchange and buy undervalued property in the Texas Panhandle. And honestly, I have a few clients who have, I have seen probably quadruple uh, their initial investment uh, doing something like that. I mean, just some phenomenal results. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, it's a risk. I'm not saying that that's what everybody should do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and obviously, there's a lot of people who say, I only want to invest in my local market. I I understand my local market. But for those people who are doing that, I have seen some phenomenal results. Mm -hmm. We've also seen people sell overvalued severed minerals. You can sell severed minerals and by surface. And, uh, you know, we were undergoing a huge oil boom in, uh, oh, from about 
2010 to about 2013, 2014. And so they were looking at these minerals that were incredibly overinflated and they'd sell those severed minerals and buy ranch land or farmland somewhere else. Again, being very shrewd about it and buying them undervalued, waiting for that market and the economy to kind of catch up with it, then rolling those proceeds somewhere else and just have done phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Not to just burn you down, but one more example, obviously, is to consolidate your operations. So we've seen people who have maybe been strung out. You know, they may have property in Kansas, Oklahoma, uh, Wyoming, and they say, you know, hey, this one property is, is just too far, and I've now got the opportunity to buy a ranch close to one of my other ranches. So obviously, they they sell what is off in the distance, bring it home, kind of consolidate it. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the examples as far as just where people have really used it, not just to avoid capital gains or defer capital gains, but really as a whole investment strategy. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take a break here. My guest today is Dal Houston. He's an attorney with Benson and Houston out of Alva, Oklahoma. That just sits a little bit northwest of Oklahoma City. We're talking 1031s today. When we come back, we're going to just talk about some of the little details you need to keep in mind if you're thinking of a 1031. We'll talk about them when we come back here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Don't gamble with fly control this summer. MLS tubs are a sure bet. MLS high-performance, low-moisture cooked molasses tubs provide controlled, consistent supplement delivery to your cattle, horses, sheep, and goats. MLS takes pride in their line of products that are proven to lower your feed supplement costs. All kinds of tubs for all kinds of needs. Learn more about MLS tubs at mlstubs.com. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. We're talking 1031s today. My my guest is attorney Dal Houston with Benson & Houston out of Alva, Oklahoma. And uh, he is back with us. He was with us earlier this year on a show where we talked about estate planning. And uh, just to keep in mind here that, uh, you know, as we talk here today, that this, our, our conversation here is not legal advice. It's designed and provided as an explanation and some considerations as you might be considering or looking at different ideas here, especially in regard to this subject of 1031s. Now we talked a little bit, you, you explained what, what 1031s were and, and with some examples of how you have seen ranchers use those. Let's talk about some of the details, the, the maybe the fine print on some of this, such as there's some time constraints that need to be considered. There are. There, there are really two time periods you need to be concerned about. And the first one is the 45-day identification period. From the date the transaction closes, you've got 45 days to identify your replacement property. And I, and I want to spend just a moment about this. I get calls all the time saying, you know, I, gosh, I bought a piece of property the other day. And, and you need to differentiate that I signed the contract a couple of weeks ago or I signed the contract last week, mm-hmm. but the transaction when it actually closes is what puts that those time periods okay. for both of these time periods in play. And so I may have signed a contract a month ago, but it, it is a date when it closes. So if, let's say if it closes on August 1st, then I've got 45 days to identify property. Mm-hmm. Then I've got from August 1st, I've got 180 days to actually get my new property purchased and get that exchange closed. Now, there are no extensions for these time periods, except if you are in a presidentially declared disaster zone. So uh, that's really, really important to understand that you can extend those timelines. They are what they are. But those are your time periods okay. that you got to be concerned about. Now, as we've talked about this, we were, you know, we've been talking about we sell, you know, us as a landowner selling and then having, you know, those time constraints to buy something or identify something, then buy something. But what happens if we reverse that whole process and say, well, we went ahead and purchased something and now we need to kind of go in reverse order of that. Explain how that process works. Well, it is allowed. 
for a while it was not even with the uh, 1980 amendments, uh, but it's called a reverse exchange. And what happens is people will go and, and they may see something that they want and they, they've been thinking about it or it's a good deal and they sign a contract and they say, you know, I'm going to buy this ranch and I want, I'm going to sell this other ranch and buy it. But for whatever reason, the property they're selling, they cannot get it sold and closed before they've got to buy the new property. It's called a reverse exchange, mm-hmm. and um, it is structured. The middleman in that equation is called an accommodator. And what we normally do when we act as accommodator, we will take title to that new property. So it'll go ahead and close. Uh, we've got the re- reverse agreement in place. And so what happens is the accommodator, which is our company, will take title and hold that property for the client until they get their property they are selling sold and closed and basically we then use that money to come and buy that property back from the accommodator it's important to note that during that process that time when we're acting as accommodator and we're holding that property that we can rent the property to the client or taxpayer Mm -hmm. and so they get that benefit of using that Mm -hmm. Uh, we do reverse exchanges all the time. They are more complex just mm-hmm. because it involves working out financing so that the accommodator uh, has the ability to buy that property and hold it for the client taxpayer. As opposed to a regular exchange, there is money as a result of the sale of that, of what we call the relinquished property or the property they're selling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it is a little bit more complex, but we do them all the time. Yeah. And normally we don't see many problems. With yeah. It. Well, we got about a minute left here, Dal, real quickly. Just this is just something if, you know, folks are looking at selling or purchasing property, it should be some consideration to be thinking about how you could integrate a 1031 in this, especially in light of the fact you'll take a severe hit in capital gains taxes. And, and this is an option that, that really needs to have some consideration. Yeah, we've done them for years and we just see the demand form more and more and more all the time. So yeah, it is. And and even if you decide not to do one or it doesn't actually fit into your deal, it is certainly something you need to look into and consider and evaluate whether that would work for you or not. All right. Well, Dal, thanks for joining us here. I always appreciate visiting with you and your expertise, especially in this subject of 1031s, estate planning that many of us here in the ranching industry from time to time do need to address, will need to address, and the information is very helpful. So appreciate you being here on our program today. Well, again, I appreciate the invitation. Always enjoy visiting with you. You bet. And again, my guest today, Dal Houston with the firm of Benson and Houston out of Alva, Oklahoma. If you would like more information from him directly about our subject here today on uh, 1031 property exchanges or even uh, the subject that we had back in April on estate planning, feel free to reach out to them. Their website is BensonHouston.com. You can reach out to them for more information. By the way, just another reminder here that our subject here today and the conversation that he had not legal advice it's just designed to provide you information so that uh, you can make some decisions should you need to more than likely that's going to come down for most of us here in the ranching business stay with us when we come back meteorologist don day steps in as we take a look at our long-term weather we'll be back on the working ranch radio show after this A sustainable ranch is one that can do more with less. And for beef producers, it can start right at the herd level with a cow that's efficient with her resources and environment. And in today's modern industry, Gelvy females are the picture of sustainability. Gelvy and Balancer cattle are early maturing with maternal superiority through increased longevity, added fertility, and more pounds of calf wean per cow exposed. Adaptable, versatile, and sustainable. All factors that have a positive impact impact on your bottom line. Gelvy influenced females, the smart, reliable, and profitable maternal choice for achieving sustainability in today's modern beef industry. Be sustainable, breed Gelvy. 
And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills here as we head now into a look at our long-term weather as it is brought to you by AllFlex. Cattle identification and record keeping should be easy and you can tie your visual tag, your EID tag, and your genetic data to one management number now with the AllFlex Match Set. You can find out more at their website at allflexusa.com. And joining us now is meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. And Don, uh, as we're heading into the last part of July here, we're starting to see now some pretty warm temperatures. Now, we had some cooler temperatures across part of the country off and on last week, but as we look into July, we're actually starting to see uh, in the northern part of the country some warmer temperatures. Now, I realize the south has been, they've been really hot, but uh, now the rest of us starting to feel some of that. Yeah, we're going to see a continuation of the heat across the southern U.S. from Florida to Texas and through the desert states and up through the Great Basin and then into the West Coast and up into the Pacific Northwest. Uh, The ring of heat that's been down there is going to be rather stubborn and stick around. But what it's going to do over the next couple of weeks is the bubble of heat, so to speak, will have episodes where it will push further north. Uh, into the central and northern Rockies. I I do see one part of the country that is really not going to get the heat. Mm -hmm. That'll be uh, most of the central and eastern Dakotas, uh, parts of the upper Midwest and the Great Lakes. There's a a persistent area of low pressure in central Canada that is just going to kind of battle that high pressure ridge in the south and uh, probably will win out. Mm -hmm. But the areas that have been hot, Justin, will stay hot. Mm -hmm. But there will be, as you mentioned, a little bit more of a northern extension of that heat over the next week or two. Mm-hmm. And what I understand with you, some of your conversations last week was that we're kind of battling this low and the high, the high down in the southern part of the country, the southwestern part with the low, as you were just talking about there. And so we have that spot where they're going to hit that makes that area susceptible to some potential moisture as well. Right, and that's what we're seeing. Uh, in fact, uh, the most active area of showers and thunderstorms has been right around that boundary, um, and it's been moving basically those showers and thunderstorms where that collision of air masses has been taking place. Now, this past week, there's been more of a southward shift of the rain, a little bit further south into the southern plains, into the southern areas of the Corn Belt, and that has dried out the northern plains a little bit and hasn't been very wet across the northern plains and the northwest areas of the Corn Belt. But what we're going to see is that area kind of wobble, kind of wobbled to the east and west and a little north and south a little bit. And so we're going to see a persistent area of precipitation in that battle zone. But on either side of the high pressure ridge and the low pressure system, you're going to see the conditions a little bit drier. But we're also seeing the entrainment of subtropical moisture into the southwest United States. We call that that summer monsoon Mm-hmm. And that's going to continue to be in waves across the central and uh, southern areas of the Rockies and occasionally through the Great Basin and parts of the desert southwest as well. Okay. So as we look into the next, say, 15 days out, 15 to 20 days out, and maybe this you can answer two questions in one in one here. When we look at the next 15 to 20 days out in conjunction with what we're seeing with an update coming out on El Nino, what are you anticipating across the country? Well, I think what we're seeing here is finally the maturity of the summer pattern holding here probably for another six weeks. So that basically means for the rest of July and through the month of August, what I see is normally what we would see, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the hottest times of the year for some, uh, if you're going to get rained on, it's from these showers and thunderstorms. Um, I do think as we get into the month of August, we'll probably be hearing more about tropical storm activity, maybe picking up a little bit. Uh, off the East Coast, maybe into the Gulf of Mexico, the Caribbean, those areas. Uh, but nothing that I see that is you know, really off the rails, okay. anything that, that'll be too unusual. It's just going to be summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and that's how I think things are going to pan out. Now, beyond that, uh, as we get into uh, the latter half of August into early September, we're going to start paying more attention to what you mentioned there, the El Nino. Mm-hmm. It is really... Um, Uh, Fully maturing right now, uh, getting very well established across the Pacific, uh, along the equator uh, from west to South America, all the way to northeast of Australia there. We have seen the water temperatures do a complete 180 from where they were a year ago, complete reversal from being cold 
too warm. Uh, but as we talked in uh, earlier programs, Justin, the, the impacts of El Nino are going to be felt more towards the fall, winter, and spring season in terms of the, the impacts of okay. El Nino. So as we, we get into that fall, early winter pattern, that's when we're going to start seeing those impacts of El Nino. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I know we talked about this a little bit before we went on air here, but uh, we'll plan to maybe do something in a middle to latter part of August that would give a, you know, kind of an indication of where you anticipate to see this El Nino affecting weather across the country for the next six to nine months out. Does that sound like a good plan? Yeah, I think it's a good plan. And, And it is something that needs to be discussed because what we tend to see is after this very impactful line, Nina pattern over the last two to three years that had such an impact on the weather. Usually the the resulting El Nino that comes after that does tend to be strong and does tend to be impactful. It tends to be a, a bit on the strong side as Mother Nature balances things out. Yeah. So there'll be a lot to talk about when we get together. Okay. All right, Don. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for the update here today. Thank you. Thank you. And again, that is meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. His website is dayweather.com. You can also find him on his YouTube channel where he kicks out his daily video podcast every Monday through Friday morning. I think he's actually on the weekends too as well, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, a good way to get your morning started off with a look at your weather by going to his video podcast. Our weather today brought to you by AllFlex. Find out more about the AllFlex match sets at allflexusa.com. Stay with us. We'll put a wrap on this week's show when we return on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Dayweather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Dayweather Weather Journal is a great gift idea for any occasion. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I want to give you a heads up of what we are working on for next week's show. And I'm really pleased to have this guest. Steve Cody will be joining us. And if you are much of a listener to our program and you were listening this past winter, you know I kept talking about we were going to have him on the show. Well, we have it together, not because he wasn't available. It was really on my schedule more than anything. But he's going to be available for us. We're going to be doing two shows with him, not consecutively, but our first show is going to be uh, on a variety of different topics. Now, if you've ever heard of Bud Williams stuff, well then of course you're going to be familiar with some of the things we're going to talk about. Steve is off of those, many of those principles and has continued on with that and has a book out. In fact, it's laying here right here on my desk. I'm looking at it called Manual of Stockmanship. A great, great book for anybody that's wanting to explore even deeper into cattle management, low stress management. But specifically in next week's show, we're going to be talking about starting a herd, getting herd started well, how to drive a herd and placing cattle and some of those kinds of things. A lot to talk about with Steve. And I'll tell you what, I just enjoyed my conversation with him over the phone as we were setting this up. He's a wealth of knowledge. I'm pleased to have him on next week's show. We're going to have him on later as we talk about weaning uh, later on with him later in about a month or so. We're having back as we get ready for that time of the year for all of us. So Steve Cody will be joining us next week on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Be sure to tune in for that program. Well, before we head out today, a quick thank you again to our sponsors, Vitalix, the true blue tub. Find out more at Vitalix.com. All flex, tie your visual tag, your EID tag, and your genetic data to one management number with the All Flex match sets. Find out more at AllFlexUSA.com. Inherit Select from Zoetis, providing commercial cow-calf producers with genetic insight. Find out more at InheritProgress.com. And the American Gelvie Association, the Gelvie Cow's efficient use of resources make her the picture of sustainability in today's modern beef industry. Find out more at gelvy.org. MLS Tubs, don't gamble with fly control this summer. MLS Tubs are a sure bet. Find out more at mlstubs.com. And Tank Tote, your remote water monitoring system. It's what we use here on the X-Ring Ranch. Well, the Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, branded number one by America's ranchers. And how many of you had an opportunity to 
really get through your summer issue of Working Ranch Magazine. By the way, if you don't have your subscription, you can easily get it started by going to workingranchmag.com. But you know, a lot of times we'll point out the, the great stories and the great photography and the pictures that are in it. But how about the very back? Have you ever taken the time to flip through that? Now, if you're like me, you like going to farm and ranch stores and maybe just walking around taking a look at things. Well, the back of Working Ranch Magazine's kind of like that. In fact, you're going to find things in there that you're probably working with or needing or dealing with on your ranching operation. In fact, for us, I'm looking here and I see an ad by uh, solar uh, on solar pumps by Sun Pumps. Well, that's something we're doing here. How about a wire winder and a post puller from Dakota? Yeah, those are just a couple things I know we're dealing with here and kind of caught my eye. Might catch yours as well if you just take time and flip through the back part of your latest issue of Working Ranch Magazine. Well, if you'd like to get a hold of me about something you heard here on the show, you can shoot me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Be sure to join us same time, same place next week. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.